This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I trust you're having a uh, interesting day at the very least. What is that old proverb? I hope you live in interesting times. Well, we've had our fill of interesting times, haven't we, Claudette? We certainly have. Especially in recent years. And, uh, you know, just to start things off, uh, Corner Brook now wondering what is uh, going on and what is the future of the mill there. Surprise and concern uh, among those involved in the province's pulp and paper and forestry industries today following Kruger's announcement that the mill in Corner Brook, the the province's only pulp and paper mill, will uh, will be shut down, sorry, for a week starting on Monday in response to what the company calls the difficult business environment in the newsprint sector. That's drawn concern for those who make a living at the mill. VOCM's Brian Medor spoke with Cornerbrook Mayor Jim Parsons earlier today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always a, a gut check when we see these things happen. Uh, over the last number of years, we have had shutdowns. Um, uh, and uh, we're still trying to gauge, I guess, uh, you know, how uh, serious this one is. Uh, there will be work done and maintenance and that during the shutdown this time. Uh, but I understand there is a lot of uncertainty in the newsprint market right now, and everyone's trying to see how this is un- going to unfold. you got about 300 workers there that are going to be off for a week for short. They must really have the jitters right now, not just them, but really the whole city. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, the reason for our existence here. And uh, every time we see, you know, an interruption in that uh, stream of steam going up in the air, uh, you know, everyone worries. And so this one now is coming on November 20th, I understand. Um, Yeah, when we see that news, it's it's always a gut check where, uh, uh, you know, we'll be in contact. I have had some brief contact with the company uh, and uh, plan to have more now in the next day or so to get an idea what's going on. Um, but the market is changing uh, rapidly, and we've seen that over the last number of years. Uh, our mill is in a uh, you know, pretty good position from, uh, for a number of reasons, including our container freight uh, service that goes from here. Uh, but, um, but I guess the market has, uh, has changed, and uh, there's a lot of uncertainty on who's going to be the, the suppliers that stay with Newsprint or not, and that will affect uh, Kruger, of course. Uh, didn't uh, Kruger, di- it was the last remaining paper mill in the province, of course, but yeah. didn't they diversify a while back into other products other than just newsprint? Yeah, and there's uh, and, and that's uh, over the last number of years, I know there have been some, uh, some experience changes. Uh, during COVID, of course, uh, the, the bottom really fell out of the newsprint market, especially in the United States. But uh, the mill was able to uh, to endure that, go through that, largely because they were able to uh, avail of the container service at uh, the Port of Cornerbrook, and uh, that uh, allowed them to uh, to uh, get through a relatively tough time when many mills around the world weren't able to do that. Um, newsprint is still, uh, I guess, a tough industry, uh, and uh, I understand that demand forecasts. Uh, you know, change, and, and I think that's the impetus here. I think there was a, a forecast that uh, that did see a, a, a decrease in demand. Uh, usually, on a worldwide market, uh, other companies may change products, um, and that will, of course, affect 
the viability and the price of newsprint worldwide. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, we're, it's, it's really early days here now, uh, but uh, uh, Kruger has done this type of thing before. Um, now, I, I will be glad to see them do necessary maintenance and, uh, and work during this period, but uh, yeah, it's, it, there's, there, there is definitely uncertainty. Mayor Parsons, how reliant is the city of Cornerbrook on the newsprint mill? We saw in Stephenville, the mill shut down. Grand Falls, Windsor shut down. Uh, both towns survived quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what about Cornerbrook? Well, we have no interest in uh, seeing the demise of our mill, for sure. Um, uh, yes, those communities have done well, but that's not. I, I'm not looking to, toward that future uh, at all. Um, our mill, of course, they have their own power supply. Um, with Hydro and Deer Lake. Um, They also have uh, great access to timber, and they also have, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the port. Uh, Being able to uh, take paper right off of uh, the machines and put it in a container and ship it anywhere in the world and react to to demands in different parts of the world. So uh, those items really make us very competitive, along with, of course, our, our great labor force. It is very important to the city of Cornerbrook, um, and uh, so we we are very much invested in this operation. Cornerbrook Mayor Jim Parsons will be speaking on this uh, over the next little while again, I'm sure, a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. The I, I, Again, I, I hope to get more clarity on exactly what's going on here. Yeah. I don't want to uh, I don't want to put out uh, uh, too big of an alarm at this point. Uh, it is it is early. So uh, let's see uh, see what's going on here. This is not new, um, but what uh, we are concerned. We want to make sure, uh, you know, we don't see any dramatic changes. So that's uh, Cornerbrook Mayor Jim Parsons trying to temper uh, any alarm being felt in the region and within the industry as a whole surrounding this um, week-long shutdown uh, starting next week. Well, Long Range Mountains MP and Minister of Rural and Economic Development Goody Hutchings and Provincial Forestry Minister Elvis Lovelace addressed the concerns uh, with reporters at a fisheries funding announcement this morning. Uh, you know, as we said, the fishery is important to every community, and Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper has been, you know, whether it was Bow Waters, Cornerbrook Pulp and Paper, Armstrong Whitworth Company, that's the backbone of Cornerbrook, too. Uh, my hearts go out to everybody impacted. They do have shutdowns normally throughout the, the year. Um, I'll be in touch when I get back home just to see. But uh, we'll hope that they can get rejuvenated and back into the sector. The, the paper sector is changing. They know that. I've met with Kruger regularly when they come to town. And, you know, what can we do to make sure that we are helping and supporting whatever way we can in the new world of, of the forestry industry. It's at least a week, but maybe more. Do you have a sense of how long this could last? I heard about the news this morning when you did, my friend, but I'll reach out when I get back to the West Coast. Forestry Minister... No, I mean, I mean, the forestry is is very important, and I think, as Minister Chinks has said, the the industry sees its up, ups and downs, and uh, this right now is a challenge. And we'll we'll continue to work with Cornbrook Pulp and Paper and the uh, the, the MHAs that represent the area and the MPs, and uh, hopefully there'll be a better day tomorrow. Um, but uh, you know, this is now a challenge that has that's uh, been in the past. They face many challenges, but we'll uh, we'll work with them to uh, move through forward through with this challenge. Last paper mill in the province, uh, the last one to close. If it does close, I mean, is there? 
you have a sense of where the, this sector is going in, in Newfoundland Labrador? Well, we can't stress the importance of it, the significance over the years, but we can't uh, we can't push aside the reality of, of where the world economy is uh, in terms of uh, paper. Um, so, you know, again, it's a challenge for them, uh, but we've certainly worked uh, well with them in the past and we'll work with them now on this challenging file. So hopefully we can move this forward. And as the minister said, the paper industry is changing. Are there different products? Um, I know with, with the investment that was made in the port in Cornerbrook, that helped immensely because instead of having to load a whole vessel, now they could load container by container. That's helped. So, you know, as the minister said, we're there to help any way we can and we'll be meeting with them shortly. So that's uh, MP Goody Hutchings and uh, Provincial Forestry Minister Elvis Loveless this morning. The issue also came up in the House of Assembly this afternoon. Here's an exchange between Opposition Leader Tony Wakeham and Premier Andrew Fury. Oh, the Leader of the Official Opposition. Here, here. Speaker, the uh, sudden shutdown of the province's only uh, paper mill has put shockwaves through the west coast of the province. I asked the uh, Premier, has he spoken to Joe Cougar, and he can, can he provide an update? The Honourable the Premier. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I have not spoken with Mr. Kruger just yet, Mr. Speaker. Certainly this is of concern to us, Mr. Speaker. We certainly value that asset, Mr. Speaker, and more importantly, the hardworking women and men who work in that facility and those that are supporting it in the forestry industry, Mr. Speaker. And I can guarantee you this government will be there for them, Mr. Speaker. The Honourable the Leader of the Official Opposition. That's, that's good to hear, uh, Mr. Speaker. I just hope it doesn't take the same long as it took for the fishery earlier in April. People on the West Coast need to know that they, the Premier has their back and we need to find out from Mr. Kruger what exactly is going on. And you can uh, guarantee we'll have more on that unfolding story as uh, details become available. Well, coming up, uh, some brighter news now. Uh, WestJet resumes direct air service between St. John's and London Gatwick. This is News Talk on VOCM. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. Well, after nearly five years without a direct air link between St. John's and the UK, WestJet Today announced that it will be resuming a direct flight between the capital city and London Gatwick starting in May. We'll take you back to this morning's announcement at the Majestic Theatre in St. John's. Please join me in welcoming Andy Gibbons, Vice President of External Affairs for WestJet. Good, good morning, everyone. What a great crowd. Uh, great to be here at the Majestic Theatre, and thank you for hosting. Just to be clear, we're not announcing $23.50 all you can drink. Okay? Let's just, let's just, let's just put that to rest. But, uh, but what we are doing is writing a new and exciting chapter for WestJet and the people of Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, firstly, thank you, Premier Fury, for being here today. And thank you for your unwavering support for WestJet and the work that we're doing together to build the airport and to build this province. For the last year, you've personally traveled and invested time to get to know us better and how we can help you achieve your objectives. You've also appointed a tireless tourism minister who texts me every day hunting for roots and investment. <laughs> Steve, I don't know if I still get my morning text after today, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And to Dennis Hogan of the Airport Authority. Dennis, uh, thank you, and what a great era of leadership uh, you've begun at the helm of the St. John's Airport. Can we get a round of applause for all these leaders?
also the stakeholders and partners and business and community leaders who you will hear from shortly. We got a lot of speeches this morning. Thank you for your advocacy and for your partnership. Air access is a preoccupation of every Canadian community and every premier and every airport authority, and it has become a very, very competitive space. This region understands this and the importance of airline investments and the partnerships we have in this room are bringing that to light, and we should all be proud. While this is a WestJet investment, this is your achievement. In July, many of you joined me at our business and community roundtable, where we committed to our organization to stronger ties to the region, bringing the investments that you need for your economy. That was followed by an investment of year-round service from Calgary to St. John's and seasonal service to, our Saint John, to Orlando and Tampa Bay, and it continues today with this announcement. Today we go two for two. Rude announcement. So for today's exciting news, without any further ado, the community asked for more from WestJet. We've heard you and we've listened. Today I am proud to unveil that starting May 1st, 2024, WestJet will proudly provide nonstop service between St. John's International Airport to London Gatwick in the United Kingdom. Also, I just checked this morning, and these flights are available for as low as $398 one way. So if you're a bargain hunter and looking for a deal, we've got them for you. This flight will run three times a week between May and October. It will depart at 12.15 in the morning and arrive in UK at 9 a.m. This flight will unlock St. John's trade and tourism potential and enhancing the inbound tourism and investment attraction. The UK is currently Newfoundland's largest international source market outside of the United States, with a total of 7,000-8,000 visitors annually. Travelers from the UK can choose Newfoundland Labrador for its beautiful landscapes, culture, and most importantly, its incredible people. So that is um, Andy Gibbons with WestJet making that announcement this morning. Reaction in the business community has been swift uh, and very positive, I should say. St. John's Mayor Danny Breen is thrilled with the news. It's been about four years since this option has been available, and we're very pleased that WestJet has been able to come in and fill this gap in service. I understand the crucial role of transportation services, the inconvenience of traveling for hours to another city just to access overseas flights is also not lost on our residents and on our business partners. It not only leads to prolonged travel times but also additional expenses. With this new route to London Gatwick, we're confident that residents and people across the province will welcome this new convenience with open arms. Our city thrives on tourism, a vital component of our local economy. With the introduction of this route, we anticipate a surge in visitors from overseas eager to delve into the rich history, natural beauty, and warm community spirit that our city has to offer, a history that's deeply connected to Britain. This announcement, though, is just not about a new flight route. It's about opening doors to exploration, fostering economic growth, and strengthening the bonds that connect us globally. But it also gives us another notice that when we work together, when we engage our partners, when we find willing business partners who believe in what we believe in, we can accomplish anything. 
So that is Mayor Danny Breen, one of a myriad of speakers at that WestJet announcement this morning at the Majestic Theatre in St. John's. And uh, generally speaking, the um, reaction has been uh, absolutely positive on that. Um, um, three days a week, starting in May and running through to October. And uh, the general consensus is that uh, hopefully they'll be able to expand that service beyond that initial uh, offering. But as has been said in the past, including by uh, Mayor Danny Breen and others when uh, these services have been introduced in the past, is uh, people have to use it. So uh, with any luck, there'll be a big uptake on that. Well, people gathered at Confederation Building today calling for an increase in American Sign Language services. Newfoundland and Labrador only has five interpreters to service over 600 adult members of the deaf community. The crowd is calling for government to address the shortage. Executive Director of the Coalition of Persons with Disabilities, Nancy Reed, addressed the crowd today. Here's what she had to say. It's great to see everybody here today. And I want to uh, highlight for a minute that we had to wait a little bit. Um, our wonderful interpreter today had a, a previous commitment and wasn't able to get here quickly. And I think that we all need to recognize that those are some of the things that happen for persons who are deaf on a continuous basis. We don't have enough interpreters in this province to uh, fulfill the needs of the number of persons who are deaf that need interpreting uh, on a daily basis. And I think that it's great to have some government representatives here in the space with us today. But that's just a little glimpse into the realities of the lives of people who are deaf every day when, uh, when they're trying to go to an appointment or gain access to a service. We need to be able to have interpreters available uh, to to work, uh, you know, to, to communicate on a daily basis. And uh, what some of us might see as an inconvenience becomes a reality every day for persons who are deaf. So we're really here today uh, as a broad community of persons with disabilities. Uh, we want to demonstrate our support for the needs of the, the need for a, number, a greater number of interpreters. And in addition to that, we really want to highlight the need for a greater number of interpreters, but also for seniors and for seniors who are deaf, especially living in areas where um, they want, would normally be able to access different types of services, to be with peers. But when we're living in, um, in seniors' homes or in facilities where without that connection through ASL, as seniors are actually living in isolation, even though they're living in public spaces, uh, because it's so important that we be able to communicate. Communication, you can see that on a number of the signs here today. Communication, language is a right. And we are, denied, we are being denied that right if we don't have ASL interpretation. We are here as a broad community to say that persons who are deaf are not alone in this. We are here as a community. We want to really uh, support us, uh, support our friends in the deaf community and say that we recognize your rights are being diminished. We recognize that you need to have access and we're here to fight with you to, to in every way that we can to make that happen. Thank you all for coming out today. Um, we're here for the long haul. 
So that is uh, Nancy Reed, Executive Director of the Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. And I'm not sure you could hear it over the radio or not, but you could hear uh, the um, uh, language interpreter and doing the American Sign Language uh, next to her on that cold, cold day. Well, Health and Community Services Minister Tom Osborne met with those gathered at Confederation Building today. He also spoke to media, including VOCM's Noah Shepard. I'm certainly looking forward to meeting with them. I know we have a meeting um, set for November 20th with one group. Uh, just spoke to an individual here today who has requested a meeting. So we are looking at uh, providing um, or, or how we can provide additional interpreters. Um, additional uh, interpretation services, including technology, um, that may assist. So that's something that the department is currently looking at. But I think you know we need to meet with uh, with uh, the group and and uh, and well both groups to really get a, a better understanding of what it is they're asking for, uh, so that we can determine how we can best help. Uh, part of the reason I'm I'm here today is to hear their concerns. Uh, so that we can have a better understanding. But, you know, we do know, based on the invitation to uh, to come here today, that they are looking for additional interpretation services, including um, uh, ASL interpreters. Uh, so we're certainly prepared to meet with them and talk about how we can do that. We currently fund um, one group, and I understand that there's some concern um, uh, between the two groups. But we, we currently fund one group. Uh, we are absolutely prepared to look at additional funding for additional interpreters. Uh, there's about 600 uh, deaf and, and hard of hearing um, adults in Newfoundland and Labrador uh, that would require the, the services of an interpreter. Uh, so we are prepared to look at that and, and what can be done. Um, you know, even in, in the hospital settings, what technologies can be utilized. Uh, to better communicate with the deaf community um, and uh, ensure that they you know that they had that ability to communicate as well just recently I mean we received I received an invitation about a week ago I think to attend this rally um, you know so uh, staff are in communication um, with the deaf community uh, again I understand um, you know from from this group there there may be different groups of the deaf community um, so I, I think it's important to meet with all groups so that's Health Minister Tom Osborne. When we come back after the news break, uh, Osborne will respond to concerns raised by the seniors advocate about access to home care. This is News Talk on VOCM. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. And we're back on uh, VOCM News Talk. Well, we're going to get uh, another dirty weekend, Claudette. It seems to me every weekend over the last little while, Brian and I were joking about this. Brian Medora and I were joking about this earlier today, but we we're saying, like, you know, has there been a fine weekend since maybe, what, September? I don't know. I <laughs> yeah, it just seems like damp, cool, cold, that that kind of thing going to your bones a bit. Miserable, drizzling. Yeah, but I'm loving the Christmas music, so I'm finding I can just put all that in the back burner and concentrate on everything on my holiday to-do list. Noticed some of my neighbors have their trees up already. Oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. You had, I remember you mentioning what you had done, which is just the pre festive stuff so it's like getting rid of what happened in the summer like your deck stuff yes putting all that back getting ready that way Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, well, I had to do it because otherwise <laughs> I'm not going to have any plants next year. So, right. you know, all these delicate things yeah. come in and get covered up and yeah. put in neutral, we'll say, <laughs> hibernation <laughs> come, come uh, until uh, the spring when hopefully they will sprout anew and I don't have to pay for more Oh, right. Plants, if you know what I'm <laughs> saying. It's all that. very economic, don't you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, that's as far as I'm getting with uh, pre-Christmas. Oh, you're a December girl then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm a like a December... 16th girl oh that will give me anxiety oh really yes that's too far in advance (laughs) uh yeah um i I don't know i i wait you wait yeah Yeah, i wait and and everybody is so different i understand the reasons why people do it oh i totally get the excitement like i yeah trust me i am suppressing great excitement (laughs) right now it's true. I get really excited. I, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the mm-hmm. year. So, yeah. Well, you know, I would like to see you. But there's, you know, there's something to be said for restraint. It, it, for me, right? Just for me. Yeah. Only I, me. I still would like to see you to bump it back like a week. Like maybe next week start to do something. I'm helping you, Linda. <laughs> if it was my son. <laughs> oh, he'd already oh, have everything. Oh, yeah. Up? Oh, yeah. Like, it was like in September. He's like, Mom, when are you putting on the Christmas tree? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, but, you know, starting to feel that. Mm-hmm. I am. Totally. Absolutely. I'm almost there. Uh, well, on another note, um, we were talking about the health minister earlier, and of course the seniors advocate yesterday, Susan Walsh, uh, released her report on the very serious issues faced by seniors in Newfoundland and Labrador. Well, Health Minister Tom Osborne joins me now for reaction. Well, hello, Ms. Minister Osborne. Good afternoon. Pleasure to be on your show. So, uh, tell us now, the Seniors Advocate has uh, released her report, What Golden Years? And anyone who has uh, someone in their life of a certain age, um, a lot of this rings very true to them. Um, A lot of seniors falling through the cracks when it comes to uh, access to certain programs and benefits, but uh, uh, also talking about access to home care, and that falls in your purview. Tell us what your take is from this report? So a lot of good points made in the report. Uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, we have to review the report and, and look at the art of the possible. What I can say, um, last week um, when the Premier announced the poverty reduction strategy, he had also indicated that uh, there will be a dedicated poverty reduction plan for seniors uh, that government are still working on and um, uh, putting together. Uh, so that that's something that will address many of the concerns that were raised in the report. There's also a cabinet committee on seniors, which um, includes ministers and, and uh, deputy ministers and other officials. Uh, we've been meeting now for a number of months looking at a number of issues uh, related to seniors' health care, uh, affordability for seniors, keeping seniors well and healthy and able to live in their own homes and communities longer. 
Um, there is also uh, just, you know, in, in the last uh, week or so, a basic income uh, program for seniors uh, that was announced. Uh, that was announced as part of the uh, poverty reduction strategy. So we are looking at a number of initiatives uh, to ensure that uh, we focus on seniors, uh, keeping seniors well, and uh, keeping them out of long-term care and, and in their own homes as long as possible. Um, some of the initiatives that we've included would be an RFP uh, for community-based supportive care. Um, we've uh, put an RFP out recently as well for uh, rehabilitative care, uh, restorative care for seniors, um, and a specialized um, demonstration uh, program, um, an adult daycare uh, program, all of these things hoping to keep seniors living in their in their homes longer before they need to look at long-term care or personal care. So I know you don't want to give too much away if uh, this is something government is working on now, a dedicated poverty reduction plan for specifically for seniors. But in terms of uh, home care and access to home care, we were speaking with NAEP. They're saying there's a lot of red tape there. And it's also impacting recruitment and retention when it comes to home care workers, those all-important home care workers. If a home care worker is going from one house to another house to another house in the course of a day because each of those seniors only uh, qualifies for two hours uh, a day, um, that becomes a retention issue because that's not exactly what some people sign up for. So are, are changes um, um, necessary in that whole system where we've been looking at it for a while? And, um, the, you know, the big call here is that this whole system needs to be uh, upended and, and looked at. No question. And we've got a, there's a final draft um, so I, I guess news for, for you, uh, but there's a final draft of the new provincial home support standards um, that is going through, um, you know, just an edit process or, or you know, make sure that uh, grammatically and, and uh, so on, everything is as it should be. So the, the final draft is there uh, going through the final review uh, by government. Um, the Department of Health and Community Services, the Home Care Association have worked hard to develop uh, the new standards and, and a service level agreement uh, that will focus on increasing the quality of services provided through that program. Um, I should also um, point out that um, the Department of Health and Community Services has established a working group um, with representatives from each of the uh, health zones in the province um, with a financial background. They are looking at um, uh, the income-based financial assessment policies manual for long-term care and community uh, support services. Um, it will look at the income uh, thresholds and uh, look at opportunities for uh, adjustment of those thresholds in light of the cost of living increases. So that will reflect uh, heavily on some of the recommendations made uh, in the, the recent report. Um, the department is also participating in, in um, an interdepartmental committee 
Um, that committee is led by the Department of Finance, and we are reviewing all government programs and services that are income tested to see uh, what government is able to do in terms of um, uh, those programs and services that are provided to seniors. So stay tuned uh, by the sounds of it. Uh, when can we expect to hear more? Well, there's been a great deal of work done um, you know, on the uh, the poverty reduction plan for seniors, um, the basic income program was already announced. Uh, so the cabinet committee on seniors, uh, the interdepartmental uh, working group, and um, uh, the working group uh, of health authorities, uh, or sorry, of, of the health zones, um, is working has put a great deal of effort into these measures. So I anticipate um, we'll have more to say on these, uh, certainly in the coming weeks and others in the coming months. Tom Osborne, I do appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you kindly. So that is Health Minister Tom Osborne in response to the seniors advocate and indicating that uh, some, some of the final touches are being put on a dedicated poverty reduction plan specifically for seniors, which was heavily hinted at uh, just uh, last week when they made a, um, a similar type of announcement. Um, if you have any thoughts, you're welcome to give us a call. Um, coming up, a funding boost for the province's fishing industry. This is News Talk on VOCM. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. And we are back. Well, um, I see, Claudette, that uh, some of the co-stars of the show Friends now speaking out and um, paying tribute to Matthew Perry. Oh, uh, yeah. They've been taking the social media and that and sharing memories and thoughts and all of those kinds of things. And I think a lot of us who've been following his career as a Canadian, uh, because that was the big thing about him, if you recall, mm -hmm. uh, when Friends was on the go, I was like, oh my gosh, Matthew Perry is Canadian, uh, <laughs> is... Uh, you know, we followed his uh, difficulties because he had some very well-publicized uh, trials, we'll say. Yes, with, uh, uh, I believe it was, uh, I know he was in rehabilitation before, and I think he even counseled people, and he wanted to be remembered for that as well. Yes, and, yeah. and some of his friends on Friends mm -hmm. uh, helped him seek out the the attention that he needed, and then he passed it on, passed it on, passed it on, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, but, you know, it's interesting now in retrospect watching some of the reruns, because they do air them uh, a lot, actually, on television, is... Uh, seeing him going through that you can see it happening where there's a period where he loses a lot of weight and you can see he's you know skeletal for want of a better word uh, you know really quite stark and that he was working through that you know he was continuing to work and continuing to be funny and continuing to be engaging and all mm -hmm. of that stuff so i see that um 
Matthew Perry's friends, uh, in uh, quotations, sharing more memories of the Canadian actor in their first personal social media post since his death last month. Jennifer Aniston said on Instagram that she's been pouring over texts between her and Perry, quote, laughing and crying and laughing again. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, who is also a very funny guy in his own right, said it was an honor to share the stage with Perry and call him a friend and joked, quote, and I guess you're keeping the 20 bucks you owe me. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, uh, it it's good to see people laughing because that shows you that there was a friendship there. Yeah, I mean, people turn as soon as this happened, of course, everybody wanted to hear from them right away. And they took, I think, a, a collective stance and they wanted to be able to grieve and to just think about them before they kind of just haphazardly started talking about uh, jumped on any bandwagon. Yeah, or bandwagon. Whatever, yeah. So it, it's nice that they use that time to reflect and to grieve and that they can show their relationship publicly and, and what he meant to them. Yeah, uh, yeah, very moving because, of course, uh, you know, these people, we don't know them personally, but they make their way into our living rooms and our homes and our heads. They're a part of our fabric. Or exactly, our part of life. our cultural fabric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that show was 30 years ago. Can I can't you just believe imagine? That. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's where time goes. But uh, Perry, of course, was found dead October 28th at his Los Angeles home. Um, back to local news now. All levels of the fishing and aquaculture industry in Newfoundland and Labrador getting a boost from Ottawa Long Range Mountains MP Goody Hutchings and the uh, fisheries minister for Newfoundland and Labrador Elvis Lovelace announced $25 million in funding through the Atlantic Fisheries Fund for 147 projects across the province. The funding will be used to help upgrade equipment improve the quality and productivity and sustainability in the local seafood sector of the 147 projects receiving funds. 116 of them are in harvesting, 22 in processing, as well as five projects in aquaculture that will focus on the development of oyster and salmon, while four projects will support Indigenous partnerships. Here's Provincial Fisheries Minister Elvis Lovelace. So for me, I'm here as Minister of Fisheries, Forestry and Agriculture, but uh, from a guy that represents Fortune Bay, Cape Lahoon, it's a uh, south coast uh, fishery from aquaculture to lobster, certainly uh, large in my district from an employment perspective so for all, it's always a pleasure as I always say your MHA before your minister um, that's always near and dear to me so um, as I said what's in my notes is really all already been spoken to but I'd like to make note that um, the the millions of dollars that's been invested is beyond important to the industry here in the province and it supports innovation uh, delivers cutting-edge technology and improves productivity, which is making Newfoundland and Labrador more globally competitive, and we know how important that is. And also, the innovation not, not only ensures the survival of our traditional f- industries, but also positions them for future growth, which is very important. And I've talked to many harvesters. The Premier and I went across the province a couple of weeks ago and talked to many harvesters, and they also talked to us about the importance of these funds. And that's true testimony. That's true testimonies to what this fund means because we as politicians can say it, but when we get that feedback from the industry, that's the true testimony. And, uh, you know, the, the harvesters have been, they told us they've been able to modernize 
fishing gear to improve efficiencies and help ensure the highest quality is delivered to processing plants. In the aquaculture sector, which is certainly very important in my uh, district and certainly in province, because I said Ken McDonald has said, uh, the fishery helps every uh, community in this province. We attended the NAIA uh, conference uh, a few months ago, and I was talking to companies that are affected or benefit from the aquaculture industry, employing people. The supply industry is certainly huge. So in the aquaculture sector, funding supports aquatic animal health, so the development of new vaccines and treatments, automated vaccine machines, robotic net cleaning equipment, and cleaner fish. And that's all evident in my district as I've been on the water and visited the companies many times. So we're investing. We're investing for long-term success in an ever-changing world. And duly noted that this industry uh, certainly employs over 17,000 people and it reaches over 400 communities, but it reaches all Newfoundland and Labrador. And we continue to build on that. As already been said, Minister Hutching said it, it's a testament to what can be accomplished when government, industry, and communities work together to achieve a common goal, and that's to make this place a better place to live. Thank you, everyone. So that is uh, Provincial Fisheries Minister Elvis Lovelace uh, as part of his comments this morning during a uh, news conference announcing um, $25 million in funding through the Atlantic Fisheries Fund for 147 uh, fisheries-related projects right across the province. And, of course, part of that uh, announcement sort of sidelined by the news out of Corner Brook today that uh, Kruger is closing its uh, paper mill there for one week starting next week, uh, leaving a lot of people wondering what exactly that might mean for the future of the mill. Will it be one week or will, could it possibly extend longer than that? That remains to be seen and we'll be watching that story very closely in the, um, the weeks ahead, you can guarantee. Well, we were talking about the weather earlier, Claudette. Uh, forecasters eyeing a storm system which could drop some pretty heavy weather on the province this weekend. It's a low-pressure system that will bring snow and high winds, so some blizzard-like conditions to much of Labrador, and uh, rain and high winds to the island. The reason why we're seeing rain here is that the temperature, unlike the last few days, is going to rise into warmer temperatures. I've been watching the temperature a lot lately, and uh, we have been consistently below average for a week or more, and well below average. Like I was looking at the, you can find them yourself on Environment Canada, but, uh, you know, like the highs have only been about one, two, when normally the highs are about six, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I've, I've noticed myself complaining a lot when I'm walking outside, like how cold it is, and it seemed to be bitter. I guess the people on the West Coast are thinking we're wusses, because I always <laughs> thought that they had a colder cold, you know, like just, it's just something it's the in dampness, the air. The I think air it is. The dampness, different. and we have a high winds, mm-hmm. and so that will drive it into you. <laughs> You know what I mean? It gets up around your collar and in underneath your jacket. And yeah. There's no way up your sleeves and <laughs> there's no way to stay warm and maintain that little that little layer of warmth inside your cozy coat. Yeah. Or blankie. I, <laughs> I, I feel that there should be hot chocolate stands everywhere we go. What an idea. 
right? A lemonade stands in the summer, hot chocolate stands around popular walking trails in the evening. Come on, somebody with a better brain than I can make that happen. <laughs> for sure. Well, meteorologist Wanda Batten expects the island to be in for a soaking uh, into Saturday. Here's what she had to say. I would expect uh, some rainfall warnings will be in effect, and I do expect some wind warnings, uh, especially Rackhouse. Uh, the winds and the rain looks really good, especially along southwestern Newfoundland. So uh, I don't expect widespread rain warnings, but uh, it amounts could be pretty good. And it seems like it's going to be pretty warm. Yes, yeah. Uh, basically, we're going to get into the warm sector of the slow. Uh, really strong push from the south, so we're going to get up in about double digits this weekend. Well, yay. <laughs> yay. Double, Double digits. digits. What are those like? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had to say that since the summer. Not for a long yeah. time anyway, or feels like a long yeah. time. So clean out those storm sewers, I guess, is the, uh, oh, with all is the, the message leaves. there with all those wet leaves. I have one in front of my house that's absolutely coated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's thick with them. So I'm going to get out there and kick it around a bit. <laughs> Try to clear it off. for your contribution, Linda. (laughs) You're most welcome, Claudette. Uh, Anyway, uh, so brace yourselves for that. If you've got outdoor plans, bring your... Stuff in. Oil skins. Yeah, going to need them. And your shovels in Labrador. But, of course, in Labrador, it's different, right? Because you get that snow and you're like, yay! Because we can do outdoor activities. I can get out on the snowmobile and get out there and have fun and get access to things of course the watch the ponds because they're not froze over yet anyway there you have it (laughs) your lesson for today uh (laughs) we'll be back tomorrow do join us then thanks for listening everyone